we never I never know how to start a show. It's usually like, hey, so hey. how's it going? <laughs> even though <laughs> even though we've been talking like today, we've been talking for an hour before we hit record. But so it's always awkward. So you know what? We're not gonna do it. Just this is it. We already started. Or maybe we need an intro. Hmm. I don't know. Just throwing that out there. What would that sound like? Like a like a theme song because we have that you know we have a theme song <laughs> I know <laughs> um, no but you know how uh, some shows have like this scripted opening yeah usually like ATP they start with a funny bit yeah like the, they've said like on, throughout the whole episode like they, they pick a bit and then, then there's a little sound effect and then they actually start it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but he never said like, "Hey, bro, hey, bros, how's it going, man?" No, exactly. Oh, yeah, how I are think, you? Yeah, I think we just cut to the first topic. Okay, okay. So there's no foreplay, just like <laughs> <laughs> show title. <laughs> All right. So uh, this this episode is starting off strong again. Oh man. Okay. Um. Let's let's just get rid of follow up because we do have it. Follow up. <laughs> We have two bits of follow-up. First one is, on the last episode, we talked about Twitter and some of their problems. And there was this point where we said, like, we don't really know, like, concrete um, things that Twitter could do to help help the product. Uh, but someone has. <laughs> and uh, that someone is Randy Harper. So she wrote this uh, article on Medium. That's new. Um, what medium or the article posting something on medium <laughs> where uh, she wrote out 23 little improvements that twitter could take and uh, to help improve the product and most of them are actually like very technical like how you could change your api to yeah. do x and y when i saw the article i kind of rolled my eyes i was like oh geez do we need another post telling twitter what to do but then when i actually read it they're all like super detailed things that like would definitely make it better. And it's it's not like the usual like, oh, like make it more algorithmic, make it easier to like just follow events and stuff like that. It focuses a lot on um, harassment. Mm-hmm. Is that is that right. fair? Um, like, sure. Yeah. Making it uh, making people more comfortable uh in like being able to share what they want without getting like tons of people um, like sending them hate tweets and stuff like that. Right. A lot of these, yeah, yeah are actually like around that topic. Uh, but she like lays it out. It's not like super detailed. She's not like sharing code, but uh, you know, it's more than like you should make harassment better. Like, uh, you know, it's, I'm just going to read the first one. She says, uh, one, allow users to mute all replies from a tweet. This is so basic. I can do this anywhere else. It's a client-side option, not server-side. Add a new piece of metadata and a new API call. Effing done. So easy. Very few engineering hours would we need to put into this. One thing I did find was that some of the SaaS sometimes took away from the great points she was making. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you... <laughs> Because some of them are like, this is so simple. <laughs> Here's exactly how you do it. But it's like uh, famous last words. Um, like everything mm-hmm. is more like more complicated when you actually sit down and do it. But right. 
um, if you can look past that. And I think it's understandable to some extent. Like I'm, I'm a man on Twitter, so I'm not, I'm not getting harassed every day. Um, so, and I like really think that if that's your case, then it's way harder to be empathetic with Twitter taking longer to act on these things. Um, yeah, this is clearly uh, written by someone who has been frustrated with Twitter for a while now. Yeah, and it's uh, I, I'm gonna assume like I I can I can take out of this that she has been a victim of probably uh, like harassment and and this like she's a victim of Twitter's problems like very um, in a very direct way like we are two white dudes um, maybe we don't feel this like every day as some people might yeah. so she's clearly frustrated and angry really. Uh, <laughs> There are a lot of... Understandably so. Like all caps uh, sentences. <laughs> so you mean she's she's mad. She has all the right to be. Yeah, exactly. I, I think it's fine. And it's kind of... I, I think it, this should be a wake-up call for Twitter that um, these things really like touch people and make their lives worse. Um, mm -hmm. And you don't want your company or your product to make people's lives worse. Like That's no good. Um, so... Lo and behold, um, Jack saw the the article and um, replied, said, thank you for this, read it, and passed it on to the team. We're on it, and we want to fix. So that's good to hear. Definitely. Yeah, it's not another medium posts uh, lost in the void. Yeah, <laughs> like... and it shows it shows the power of Twitter. Right. I mean, I, I don't think this would have happened without, without something like Twitter, where you can put out an article and just a couple hours later get the attention of like a fairly high profile executive yeah did this uh this came up on my timeline because uh apparently like almost 500 people retweeted uh her tweet mm -hmm. the link yeah so this was definitely yeah so this was definitely uh something that a lot of people were um empathetic about and they a lot of people shared this so yeah yeah and we talked about um how yes a lot of it is about uh, harassment and stuff like that but I do think it would make a better Twitter even for us like if, or if if like you're not um, being actively harassed on Twitter I I think this just makes a better place for everyone like I want the people that I follow to be able to be open and share ideas that can be controversial sometimes and not fear that like people are gonna send them death threats and stuff like that so, yeah, I think this is definitely for the better. Links in the show notes. Uh, if you're curious about it, uh, check it out. And a second piece of follow-up. Um, so on episode 11, uh, we mentioned uh, this tool called Silver because it was recommended to us by a listener. Henry Quito. Yeah, there you go. Uh, Silver is like a prototyping tool that works directly in Sketch. So it's not like an external app. Uh, they would have to use so it's a prototyping tool that works directly in sketch so you could see you could say that sketch could become like a comet stuff like comet like prototyping tool in a way yep um so this is not like there is this new post on medium what and <laughs> <laughs> uh it's basically uh it's written by it's not by silver the company itself is i think it's from someone who was on the beta and yeah that's correct he, he wrote this yeah 
So there's nothing new except that you have more uh, videos, like examples of that, of Silver in action. Yeah. But Silver is still in beta. Um, and as far as I can tell, there's like no new features that I can see from that previous original post that we linked and talked about. Uh, but it's been this has been very popular on designer news and stuff, so people like are now once again aware of this. Uh, and my opinion hasn't changed. This looks very promising. Looks very very cool. Um, so yeah, if you haven't seen it, uh, check out that link. So in the show notes. Yeah. Um, so, but I guess they started opening up the beta a little more because before that it was you can just sign up and we'll let you know somehow. And now I'm still not in. Yeah, I'm not in either. Um, but it feels like they wanted this article to come out because um, they're probably mm. getting closer and closer to having a finished product, which is super exciting because I'm really looking forward to this. Um, I've I've watched. There's a lot of videos of how you can do different things, and. Yeah. I don't know about you, but it reminds me a little bit about uh, how segues work in Xcode, mm -hmm. uh, but in a good way. So basically, you can right-click and link between uh, different artboards or different layers, um, and then you get like kind of a modal uh, that asks you like, what action do you want to happen? It looks very, very... How should I say this? Like it's very built into Sketch. For example, there's, there's a they have a little icon in the layer list, yeah. like the sidebar, the left sidebar, that you can like click those icons to add transitions or or tap areas and stuff. I've never seen a plugin doing that. Like except okay, yeah, craft like visions, yeah. crafts, but that's like yeah, a new sidebar. Mm -hmm. um, this is like I don't know how they are injecting this. And the sketches UI itself, mm -hmm. but it looks it looks awesome. I can't wait to try it. Yeah. So and it uses uh, the simulator to preview your your changes. Um, so that's really neat because you have access to everything that you have access on in the simulator, and you can also um, test on your device directly from the video. The preview seems to update in real time, mm -hmm. meaning that if you add a an action or link two screens together, you don't have to reload anything. Um, it just the, works. The, the preview thing uh, in the that user mentions this quite a few times in the article. Like, so apparently they are going to ship uh, a separate iOS app that is gonna work just like Sketch Mirror, but you will be able to. You know, but actually work. <laughs> Sketch Mirror works pretty good for me, but uh, anyway. But yeah, so he's actually saying that if you have Silver app on your iPhone or iOS device, you really don't need Sketch Mirror because the Silver does everything the Sketch Mirror does, mm -hmm. and then more, like and then actually, you know, yeah. um, interacting with with your mockups. So he he mentions a couple of times that that's the best way to preview it. But I guess for the sake of the video. Uh, He's using the simulator, which you can, but it's like the preferred way is to use the native app. Mm. But um, well, it yeah. depends. Sometimes you don't always have your phone handy to test out stuff. Um, right, right, right. So I can see that being useful. So I'm going to quote. He says, "Please note there are limitations on what the iOS simulator can do. For example, composing SMS or email. But like I mentioned before, you should always be testing on an actual device anyway." 
Yeah. So it's like you can use it. It's preferred to use the the actual device, but it's there. Yeah, I I do rarely need uh to be able to make a phone call or compose an SMS from an app that I'm designing, but yeah, I like definitely like playing with the interactions and stuff like that work better on a device. Um Another cool feature that I saw is uh, you can m mark a text layer as editable. Mm -hmm. uh, did you see this? Yeah, I've seen it. Even though on the simulator, like on the video that we ha that we can we can see, uh, the keyboard doesn't like it's not summoned. Yeah, well, they have the keyboard hidden in simulator, uh, but mm -hmm. you can have that show. It's the same thing when okay. you're testing an app. Okay. So I, I I'm assuming on a real device you'd get the keyboard. Right, right, right. Which is really neat. It really is. It really is. A lot of stuff I'm working on is like has a bunch of fields, and that's always not great when you're trying to prototype and you can't like edit the text at all. I am curious that uh, we can see on a lot of examples that you can like call the like a photo picker mm -hmm. on the device. Yeah, I'm curious to know what you can actually do with that photo. So if you if you summon the photo picker and you select a photo and hit OK. What happens? Can you take that photo into your mock-up? That's, that's what we're hoping for. Right. Because if it's just to summon it, it's kind of useless. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I like how Mac-friendly it is. Like, it doesn't seem... Cause, you know, when we were talking about Craft, um, it does seem like a Photoshop plugin that is, like, has been mm -hmm. tacked on mm -hmm. to Sketch. Um, whereas this really feels native and it blends in really well with sketch. Um, so yeah, I'm super excited for this. And, uh, you know, if, uh, someone <laughs> knows someone that has access to this, I would love to give it a spin. <laughs> me too. Me too. <laughs> yeah. Hook, hook a brother up, man. Yes. Uh, all right. That's it for follow up. Let's hate that theme song that Kevin was not aware that we have. And uh, let's start with the show. <laughs> I was aware. I know we have a theme song. Let's talk about the intro. So today, the topic for today is, I kind of put it like agency work uh, versus product company work versus independent company. Well, independent work, like you have your own projects, uh, and even versus freelance, like four different types of work that you can you can be doing as a designer, right? So I feel that we both, like our experience combined, kind of covered all four different categories. So I, I assume, I, I guess we both worked at an agency before, right? Yep. That's right. I worked for an agency for about a year. Um, right. I worked at two different agencies, like very different ones, but still agency work uh, for two years. And right now you're you're working at Shopify, which is a product company. Yes. So you have a lot of insights in that. And then um, independent. This is kind of like a broad, like a broad term. But what I what I mean by this is like you are on your own. You have your own projects, and that's like your main income like that's your work which is kind of like the situation i am now um and we can even throw up like uh, can throw a freelance over there because uh 
I did some freelance. I I think you did too. Yep. In the beginning. I did some freelance, but I, I was never independent. Um, so you'll have to. Right. And I never that. worked at a product company. So, so cool. That's why I said like we combined our experience combined. We kind of cover all four different situations. Mm-hmm. Um, and by the way, this was a topic uh, partially like requested by a listener called Santi Herrero, um, or Santi Herrero. I I think he's Spanish. Um, so thanks, Santi. Uh, I hope you enjoy this one. <laughs> um this episode's for you all right so how should we even start <laughs> i feel like we should start by um the one with the most air quote freedom so uh independent and then walk our way through so have independent freelance agency product company does that make hmm. sense it does but i can't like i can't talk about each of them like in the vacuum like without mentioning other experiences and compare it like compared to other types of situations right that's fine but let's let's just make our way through um i think that already makes sense to me i think it's easier just to start like by talking about it maybe uh talk about the pros and cons yeah about each one yeah and then uh this is not going to be like a (laughs) like a neutral, partial opinion on all the different... This is going to be very opinated. At least I talk, like, for myself. Um, I'm going to really, like, I'm going to say how I feel about it. And it doesn't mean that that's, like, a general consensus. Like, you will feel about this. Yeah, it's going to be our personal experience. Right, right. So if I say this, uh, it doesn't work for me, it doesn't mean it will not free you. So keep that in mind. Um, All right, so let's talk independent. Independent, I feel that it's like it's like this romantic view of of a career like when you talk to someone about like i'm independent i work for myself i have my own stuff it seems like unreal (laughs) and um that's my current situation um i have uh sketchcast that project i'm working on the apple watch game i have frames that's an ios app and uh, I have layout uh, right now, again. Um, so, like all of these that were previously my side projects, I uh, in early last year. So it was in August 2015. Mm-hmm. I left my my job at an agency company, and um, like I embraced these side projects as my main projects, which was kind of weird, um, but um, but it's been working out pretty good so far so when i say it's like it's a romantic view is like a lot of people think or like to think that this is like an ideal (laughs) situation right you don't have to answer to no one you can make up your own schedule you can make up like you can work on whatever you want like you're not stuck to a project if you can you don't have to because you don't have to answer to no one you can just like drop it like okay i'm sick of working on this i will just sell this or drop it or abandon it completely whatever so there's a lot of freedom like you said like you put this in the first place you're in charge of every single decision that gets made um that's right and that's right what most people only see the upside of that (laughs) um but but there (laughs) also are downsides um a lot of downsides (laughs) so i can i can start with those um 
I kind of jumped like headfirst on this life. Um, and I've heard like a, a lot of similar stories. Um, the one I can think right now is like Mike Hurley. Like it was around the time like Mike Hurley left his uh, job at a bank, I think, and mm. uh, started doing uh, Relay FM. Like that's his main gig. And I've heard a lot of stories like that, like people leaving their jobs to pursue their own. Usually it's not like like a shot in the dark. Like if you are about to jump and start uh, working as an independent um, professional, you usually have already like a project or two that will probably, like is already making you some money. Like I can't just leave like a job and then start figuring out what I'm going to do. Right. Yeah. So usually you have already a plan and you usually think about it for a long time before you actually make the, the jump. Uh, and that was true for me. But OK, so here are the bad, the bad things about this situation. Right. And I talk for myself, like I talk for my like my experience. First, uh, being the one that makes all the shots, like all the calls. Is good and it's super hard and bad at a, at a at like in some perspective in some way because yeah sure I do everything uh, that's a lot of freedom and a lot of like responsibility like it's all on you yeah um, talking about like money uh, accounting uh, paying taxes. Um, making up your own schedule, talk to people. If you have a product, you are in charge of marketing, you are in charge of communicating your products, app, service, whatever you're doing. Um, so if you're someone like, that really likes doing multiple things and wearing multiple hats, like that can be a really interesting thing for you because um, you do get the chance to touch every single part of your business, which is interesting um, and not the case in other areas. It is, but the odds, like the odds of you actually enjoying all of the different hats, it's they're very slim. Like, <laughs> I was. Uh, You're not was a fan of uh, a doing taxes. Ah oh, man, I love taxes. <laughs> it's so it's so fun, you know. Uh, it's like I was working as a designer, and I had experience um, with like with the, the being a developer in some very small way. Uh, and then, you know what, like, a couple of days ago, I realized, I was about to tweet that, but I decided not to. Um, I realized, yeah, I still, like, call myself a designer, mm-hmm. and I think I am, <laughs> but, like, I would say 90% of what I actually do, like, I spend my time doing, it, nothing is, you would qualify as a design work. Like, <laughs> I spend a bunch of time editing video, recording video, editing audio. Um, um now right now i'm programming like i'm building an app um like that's <laughs> that's not a responsibility of a designer right right and it's kind of like it's kind of weird and you if you think long enough on like, about it you can get like that imposter syndrome like what the hell am i doing like i i'm i don't know how to manage like a business or i don't know how to like seriously professionally added video or whatever like it's very just like make it as you go like <laughs> you do it because you have to it's not because it's but i think there is definitely calling. a sense of ownership that 
that comes with that, right? Definitely. Where like, mm-hmm. you've had your hand into making this thing from the very beginning until the end. And um, if people buy it and if people like it, all the credit goes to you because you put all that effort into it. And you've you've had to learn all these things to make it possible, um, which is mm-hmm. really re- rewarding. It is. It's very fulfilling um, if you actually enjoy what you're doing, because yeah. this is not like trivial. It's not like if I'm independent, I'm just going to do what I want. Um, you could fall like in a trap of, you know, getting stuck with something like you have a side project that you've built and you really are very passionate about it. But, uh, you know, a couple of years down the road, you start regretting it. You started like getting tired and you are not enjoying it anymore, but it's like, it's what pays the bills. So you kind of, you are forced to keep doing it mm-hmm. in a way. Yeah. So in that case, you could say that you're, you're not in, always entirely in charge of every decision, right? No, you, you are, but the thing is, a lot of decisions are very hard to make. Yeah, but let's say, let's say you're working on this app and you're you're having a bunch of feature requests for like that one thing that every customer wants. Then like they're still in a way kind of your boss, right? That like you want to please your your customers, and hopefully that will be things that you also want to do. Um, they're not going to be asking for things that you're not interested in doing. But um, you'll you'll never have hundred percent freedom. Um, you'll just have mm-hmm. more of it than if you're in an agency or doing product. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And that was one of the main reasons that I made the jump because I was not. Yeah, sure. I'm a little bit of a control freak. I like to. It's not like being in charge of everything, but I like to have a say on most things that I like. I build or I help. Mm-hmm. You know, help building, and. It's it's uh it's hard. Like you think that okay, let me say, like you were building something, right? And you are designing something, then it's time to actually code it up. You can like if you wanna be doing it all, it's probably like if you're inexperienced in it, it's you're gonna have like you're gonna do a worse job than if you hire someone you know, capable and experienced in that area. Uh, let's say like Sketchcast. I have to do marketing for Sketchcast, which is a weird thing. Mm-hmm. that i never really touched i i and i have this thing like i want to do this like like that would be something that i would like if i was a user like right mm-hmm. i don't want to just like follow these so what are some things that you did um to do marketing for sketch guests that's the thing i'm struggling <laughs> quite a bit uh i haven't done much because i don't want to like take an example of google ads right mm-hmm. Or Facebook ads or whatever. Yeah. I as a like as a person, as a user, I don't really like that being like bombarded with ads. And I kinda look it look look down upon it in a way. So mm-hmm. I don't wanna do ads and inject sketchcast in the faces of people like forcing it down their throats. I also do feel but, like it it's probably not the right audience. The overlap of people who would enjoy Sketchcast and click an ad on Google is probably very slim. Right, right. But that's kind of what I think. But then, like, you know, exposure is not as good as you would like it to be. Mm-hmm. So what kind of what else can you do? Um, you know, you kind of like you feel 
a temptation to go down these paths because that's why they're there. Like that's why they exist because they get results in a way. Um, otherwise, people wouldn't wouldn't go for it. Right. Uh, yeah. And I see I see a couple of of companies that are doing it things that I would like otherwise feel like looked down upon like like Google ads and YouTube ads and stuff. Um Envision is doing it. Um Treehouse is doing it and they're both companies that I like kind of admire. I think they're doing great jobs. Yeah. And it's not, you know, just because they do that that I I feel that <laughs> uh Envision is like the king of marketing in my opinion. Mm. It's like they they're doing an exceptional surprising good job um i don't know if like how you found out about envision i i clearly remember that i was reading a bunch of of just like design articles and whatever um like not related to envision the, the tool itself just like random design articles or interviews with design teams at big companies yeah. or something and they started doing that a lot which was not something like directly related to the product was just something for designers. And that's how I came up to be like aware of their product because I was in their website, in their blog, reading about it, and they like would hint sometimes at their product. Honestly, I think that's the best marketing if you're doing something that's geared toward designers is like write about your process, write about design in general. And and it doesn't have to be about specifically your your product, but like mm -hmm. just get people inspired and get them in the mood where they're they want to do creative work and then you can sort of position your, the tool that you're making, um, with that. Um, right. And, but just like a, a good example of that would be, um, the Facebook launched the new reactions, uh, this week. And, um, Jeff Tihan had like this great post on, on medium. I don't know if you read it. Yeah. Um, yeah. it's just so good. Right. <laughs> like explaining all the decisions, and the different uh, experiments that they tried and how they ended up on the final solution. That's just gold. Like it mm -hmm. made me want to use a feature and it like completely sold me on um, the the talent that Facebook has um, in their, their design team. Yeah, people are learning that opening it up like inside baseball stuff, um, like it, it's very positive. Yep. For the community and for marketing, like exposure. But that w can lead us to the next point, which is being all by yourself and you have to do everything, it will, like, you have to be patient. You, you can't expect to grow at a rate, like your product, at a rate that uh, some company with 100 employees can, right? It's, it's a very steady and, and you have to be patient. Like, you can't expect to be able to do everything and do everything good. And, you know, like time is still, <laughs> if you're independent, time is still limited. <laughs> yeah, well, um, I, I do still think it's possible to, to grow a lot as an independent person because you're asked to do so many things that they're going to, like, they're going to force you out of your comfort zone. Um, and this is really good for learning, right? You're learning new things, you're doing things you're not used to doing. Um, but the same way you're not going to get people that are just going to throw money at you, uh, <laughs> you have to take take be in charge of 
you're learning. So you have mm-hmm. to manually like you yourself seek out articles, go to conferences, attend events um, to get that same learning that people in a product company are going to get for quote unquote free because they're mm-hmm. going to be working and being side by side with other people that are going to be able to teach them stuff much easily um, than if you were independent. Yeah, that's true. Um, but I, I, I kind of think of it like like I'm building on a, uh, the Apple Watch game. I started by like doing design some pretty rough mockups and then I jumped into development, which took me a while because I mm-hmm. I was not only building it, I was learning like along the way, right? I was it was something new. I never actually built an app uh, in Swift or for the Apple Watch, like two different things for me. Uh, if I was in a company or I had like a developer friend like right by my side, it would be way faster, right? The whole process. And it would probably make up for a better a better product, actually. Um, so there are these trade-offs. Like you can't, if you are in charge of everything, you have to like, be very disciplined. Is that a word? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, with yourself, like you have to impose a lot of restrictions. You have to make up your schedule and do things. Like you can't really just do whatever you want at the moment. You kind of have you have to teach yourself how to operate as a company. <laughs> like, okay, I'm gonna send this to the design department. I put a different hat, and they're like, okay, thanks, buddy. I will take it from here. <laughs> and sometimes I think it's uh, knowing when to not do something. Mm-hmm. So, for example, you probably shouldn't do your taxes. I know. <laughs> like, just get an accountant. You know, that's maybe not the best use of of your time. Um, And in the case of development, it probably ends up being worth it for you to develop your app because it would cost you a lot. Um, Mm -hmm. But there are things where you're like, it could cost me not that much money. It would save me so much time. And in that case, it's worth outsourcing. That is true. That is true. And I'm I'm actually outsourcing taxes, like all the tax work (laughs) from now on. Um, but yeah, that that's true. And uh, I guess the last negative thing about this situation is like lack of coworkers. You are really very lonely. <laughs> um, I work from home, but um, it's not like a requirement. You could work at a coffee shop, co-working space, library. Actually, yeah, I considered uh, going to. A, to a co-working space but it was like i wanted to try like if i can save some dough like yeah because on, on these are fairly expensive too kind of yeah kind of but I, I i worked at a work uh, co-working space before um mm. i've seen it how it is it's cool and yeah i can tell you like i'm working from home which I, I love like i really like working from home but it's hard if you don't it's hard to be as productive as if you were in the office um and this really, like, it's different from person to, to person. But, like, I really have to make up, like, my own schedule. Like, I still wake up at normal working person hours. Um, I get up. I have a, sh- like, I take a shower. I I get dressed, which is something that, believe me, working from <laughs> home is like, why would I even get dressed? Like, in my pajamas, it's fine. But I, like, I, I have to self-impose this on myself to act like act like a normal normal. person right 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 (laughs) 
um and it's like i i I think it's crucial to have your own space Mm -hmm. to work either like a dedicated office in your house or you know if you can't have like another room just to work maybe like a real a little section on your living room or whatever but like keep yourself a a place that is just for work because your brain it really helps your brain to know like okay i'm here this means work like now i'm working and when i leave this room i can like decompress and now okay now i'm back into the home life whatever yeah because the the uh, problem is if you don't have a dedicated place for work you also don't have a dedicated place for fun and life (laughs) mm -hmm. so they end up all blending together and i mean that's something that happens all the time anyways um but i really think it's important to have a dedicated place where you can work and dedicated times and stuff like that really help being being on a normal schedule because otherwise like especially me like knowing myself (laughs) i would wake up at like 12 and then work till like 2 a.m and have like this wacky schedule and be out of sync with normal population yeah if i were not to create this rule for myself i would either kind of like you said like wake up at noon and spend like three days where you actually like made nothing yeah let's <laughs> just browsing the internet and whatever like you because you, i'm very lazy for real like if i just let myself go i'm super lazy so i have to first of all always be overbooked like <laughs> i always have way too much work to do uh so i can't like really afford to slack off mm-hmm. um and and that's it like create your own schedule like even you can put it in your in your calendar like from 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. answer emails from 10 a.m. to whatever. Like, just these little things to kind of force your brain into actually doing stuff. Um, So if I just let myself go, I would either be super lazy and do nothing for a bunch of days straight. Or I could, like, if it's a new project, whatever, I'm really excited, I would work until, like, 3 a.m. or whatever. Like, constantly working. That happens as well. Um, And that's not healthy as well. Like, overworking... Like, that's really bad for you, believe me. Like, and that happens a lot. Like, if you let yourself go and you don't uh, control yourself, really. Yeah. Um, and last piece of negative things is, well, I guess it's still related to the other one. Because uh, you don't have coworkers, like, you kind of feel lonely if you spend, like, a week straight at home. Like, you don't even leave the house. Yeah, I, I don't think I could work from home all the time. I, yeah, that's I not go good. nuts. And for me, it's also important for like inspiration, like get my creative juices flowing that my environment <laughs> yeah. around me changes and I can like I get a lot of inspiration and like motivation from my coworkers and the like, conversations that we have over lunch mm-hmm. and the activities we do and all that sort of stuff where at home I'd feel like it's always the same and it's like kind of boring where like when I'm at work, I'm having fun and having conversations and making jokes and laughing. And that really helps me in my work. That's true. That's true. The way I try to compensate for it is like, there are at least two days a week where I have lunch with a couple of friends, uh, former coworkers and stuff. So we have like Tuesdays, we have lunch at this place. All of us get together, right? Nice. Um, yeah, every Thursday, like after work, we all go for beers and stuff. So I have kind of like this schedule where 
I leave the house and I, <laughs> I am surrounded by other people. And not only that, like whilst you're working, I have, even though I'm not working for anyone, I have a Slack team like a, where I have a bunch of friends and former coworkers and like designer friends and developer friends. So we are kind of like hanging there like every cool. day. So I, yeah, I still have conversations like normal people do. It's not like... <laughs> <laughs> It's not like I'm just... No, that's not what I was saying. Um. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, I know. But uh, yeah, I tried all of these things to kind of make up for the fact that I'm working from Can home. Can we talk about Slack groups myself? for a second? Sure. I have <laughs> way more Slack groups than I have things to say. <laughs> and, and don't you have like a bunch of Slack groups which are like very similar, like the same thing? Yeah, they're, they're all the same. <laughs> yeah. And I, like... I, I almost need a cross-posting tool <laughs> so I can post in multiple groups and channels because I can't keep up with everything. Yeah, I from experience, I, I can only keep up with like two Slack groups maximum. Yeah. If I have more that I will just slack off. Like I have a bunch of them, which is pretty cool. One was like from Mark Edwards, another one from like the design details or spec FM mm-hmm. or whatever, which they are cool, like in theory. Like one of them is like, hey, a bunch of designers talking about design things and you can post your work and people can like comment on it and offer you some you know design critique all that that's awesome but it's way too much people like too many people and i really know none of them (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah i feel that slack it's kind of it's kind of personal like if i don't really know these people uh and especially if there are a lot of them Mm -hmm. i will tend to just not check it anymore not keep up with it right and i think that's something that worries me is more and more people use slack as a replacement for things we used to post on twitter is that Mm. twitter was kind of like this central place where there there's only one choice you can only post it to everyone but with slack it's like oh this person posts in this slack uh organization and in this this specific channel but this other person is in this other completely different uh, Slack organization. So it's like everyone's kind of siloed off into these different communities. Mm-hmm. And now it becomes way harder to follow only the people you care about. That's why Twitter is still around. <laughs> yeah. So I, guess. I don't but know. I can, I can see that it's a good thing if you don't have a bunch of followers on Twitter and you want to, you know, get your word out there. Uh, if it's on a Slack group with a lot of people, that's a way bigger audience that you could reach. Yeah. If you were just to post it on your Twitter account. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I guess that's kind of it about it. So to sum up, you have to do everything. <laughs> and some of those things can really like not be fun <laughs> and overwhelming. Um, you do have a lot of, like you do have all of the control. Like uh, the best thing is like, I don't need to... You know, communication is crucial on any kind of organization if you're building stuff with other people. And if you're building stuff for yourself, you still have to have communication, but it's like instant because it's to yourself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I don't have to hold a design meeting to, 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 you know, brief other designers or brief my peers or I don't have to have approval from from upstairs to <laughs> go for this thing. So it's very instant. Like... Like, again, uh, talking from experience to the Apple Watch game, is like, I'm a designer and a developer, so, like, all the communication is made 
instantly in my head. Right. <laughs> like, so you don't need hey, to do this, prototype man. as much, for example. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like it's all it's all instant. So that's that's good. I don't have to have like hey, I'm really. prototyping in my brain. <laughs> yeah. It's a great hey, prototyping tool. This animation would be great, right? I close my eyes, imagine it. Yep, great. I sign it up. <laughs> Go build it. Um, so yeah, and you have to have a lot of self-imposed rules and constraints, which is something that you really think it's the opposite when you are not in that position. Like if you think if you are just by yourself, you can do whatever you want. That's true, but if you just slack off and do whatever you actually want, uh, that's not going to go very good for you. So yeah, I guess that kind of sums it up, I think. Yeah, yeah, pretty good summary. Um, so next one would be freelance. Mm -hmm. And the way I kind of describe it is most of the downsides of being independent with very little <laughs> upsides. Um, that's not entirely true because what you're... So basically you're trading a lot of independence, right? Like you, you're not in charge of every decision anymore. Um, mm -hmm. You're in charge of the business decisions, um, which you might not even care for. Like so, some people just really don't necessarily want to run a business. They just want to design. In that, in that case of being freelance, every, pretty much everything you have control over is the business decisions. Um, but when you're to like make a living from, from being freelance, I feel like it's easy, easier to um, take someone else's money because they probably have like already a proven business model and design something for them than to start your own business, like try to sell your own product and do all of that work yourself. Mm -hmm. So in that case, it's like a little bit easier to get into, um, but it's not as great as being independent where you're fully in control of, over everything. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's definitely easier to get into uh, compared to being just independent and working on your own stuff. Um, mostly, yeah, just on a financial point of view uh, because if you want to make money from your own products it's going to take a while to actually build them it's going to take a while for actually for them to be like spread out the word and be known and start making money from it and that's like it's like a slow curve uh, unless you make a flappy bird and <laughs> you are one in a million but um so freelance yes it's easier to get into and start making a living out of it um I worked, like, as a freelance, I worked twice in my life, and I never enjoyed it. <laughs> it was almost every time out of necessity, mm. but even though I, I did not enjoy it, I can see why people would enjoy it. Yeah. It was just not for me. Well, but So one of the big advantages of doing freelance is having a huge variety um you can yeah, 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 yeah. Like, one day you'll be working on this app this other day you'll be working on this really cool website for this company the the other day you'll be making logos like it really varies a lot between projects and clients um and you can switch that up very often mm -hmm. but there's also the downside of let's say you're working on a project you really enjoy and you really like well, after your that project is done, you're maybe not touching that project ever again and working with that company. Mm -hmm. So 
it's the way I see it. It's like you have a very limited sense of ownership over the stuff that you do. Mm. Most of the time, you're like you're designing something, and once once it gets approved and you're like kind of done, you send it over to the client, and then they deal with what happens next. But you don't have that kind of re- retroaction of okay, we've just re- uh, released this thing. How are people using it? How are they liking it? What can we make better? Mm-hmm. All that sort of stuff that you can get uh, being independent or working uh, as a product designer uh, in a product company. Um, you don't get that sense. You like on- your own only goal is to like make the client happy in a way. Um, mm-hmm. It's so in that way, I think it's maybe a little bit harder um, to do the kind of work that um, you and I do, which is mostly product design um, that is very based upon learning from uh, how people use the, the products. and um, It's a very iterative process. Yeah. It's not a one-time thing. Yeah. yeah and there's also the downsides of, you know, working on something that you really don't like yeah and maybe be stuck with it for a couple weeks couple months uh, depending on the project and i would say that even though you know dropping the the projects dropping the client is an option but a lot of people can't really afford it um it's what's going to pay their bills and they really can't afford to be dropping clients especially in the beginning um so yeah like that i'm going to repeat myself when we're about to talk about agency work but that's like clients it's it's like a good thing is you can work on a lot of different things um very fast but the downside is you can work on a lot of different things yep. <laughs> like if it's a if it's a, a project that you really don't like it's fine because in a month or two or whatever uh you're going to be done with it and if it's something that you really enjoy and you really like working on it um something like in a month or two is going to be dropped and you're out. So it's like dealing with a lot of emotions, man. <laughs> uh. There there also is, though, an upside to doing freelance. And for me, I, I did freelance for uh, a little while. Um, and if you're the kind of person that um, likes the business side as well, that can become interesting. Mm-hmm. Um that's what actually made me discover that that I was interested in business is like figuring out how do you um how do you design your business how how do you charge your clients how do you deliver the work what's the process that you're going to put in place to teach your clients okay this is how things go how to make the the design process smoother how to um, deliver better results uh, by spending less, wasting less time. Um, all that sort of stuff is up to you to figure out. And mm-hmm. the the reason why it, it's great for that is because you get a lot of clients, you get a lot of like first chances to <laughs> like because mm-hmm. when you get a new client, you can tell them like, oh, that's always how we've done this. Like we've always, I've always done this process, and trust me, it'll be awesome and it's really good. Um, <laughs> But it's not necessarily the case. You, but like that's part of having clients. <laughs> you can lie to them and like try new processes and um, figure out like whether or not they work. Like you obviously don't want to 
like try crazy things and do a terrible job. Um, but you're able to switch up your process and try different things um, and have different approaches. Try for one client, char just charge double what your usual rate is. Let's see if like some pl some clients are happy with that. Um, mm -hmm. Try um, not doing hourly. Try charging uh, based on like a specific product project. Try all sorts of different kinds of processes, and I think that's very interesting. Um, and that allows you to sort of tip your toe into running a business without being full full blown into it. Like, okay, what's our product? What's our market? What's that sort of stuff? It's like kind of ha you're a half in the like running your business, but also half in um, just executing and designing. Right, right. And you do have to deal with clients, which is some people actually enjoy. I dread. Um, and you, yeah, you are kind of giving up the sense of ownership to probably, like, I don't want to say this because there are exceptions to every rule, but I would say that if you are working as a freelance, you will probably be able to touch on, like, high-profile products that if you were just, like, independent, creating your own, maybe you wouldn't have mm -hmm. the chance. Or, like, if I'm freelancing, like, the last freelance gig I did, I worked for, like, a, like a business report uh, type of product, stuff like mm -hmm. that. Um That would be that's something that if I were to just work on my own projects, I would never touch that field, that area. Right. So as a designer, it's kind of you know rewarding if you like this type of stuff. Like um, this in agency work, I, like I made a product for uh, agility that which is that sport where the dogs are going through hoops and through tunnels and stuff. Oh, nice. Right? Yeah. So I had like couple of weeks just like researching and watching dogs going through hoops <laughs> and seeing how like the athletes operate what are the rules of the games all that stuff that's super awesome like yeah it would it would it's something that i would never like touch uh, be interested if if it would just like come to me if i had to decide but uh, you you do learn a lot of stuff you do learn a lot of different stuff and That's uh, that's cool. That's very, very cool if you're into it. Yeah. <laughs> I think another thing to keep in mind when you're doing freelance is communication is really hard, especially when you're not sharing an office. Like, you really have to be on top of your game and stay in touch with your clients and, like, send lots and lots and lots of emails. Um, like, I remember when I was, was being freelance and... Back then, it was it was easier because I was making mostly like marketing websites, um, mm -hmm. so it wasn't as much back and forth. But a big problem of doing marketing websites is you need content to put in them, uh, and lots of clients were like, "Oh, we need a website. Hire this freelancer," which was me, um, and then this freelancer is gonna take care of all of our website, which is good. Like I can. Like figure out what a bit like what the story they want to tell and uh, like what's important and what the how the design should reflect that and that sort of stuff. But I just can't like invent stuff, right? Like they're the expert mm -hmm. of their business, so I need content to work with. I need pictures. I need uh, 
facts. I need like a variety of different things. I need assets like their logo or stuff like that. Um, and really often clients would be like, yeah, I'll send you, <laughs> I'll send that over next week. Yep. Then the, the week rolls around and you're like, yeah, haven't received anything. <laughs> so you have to like really babysit your clients sometimes and walk them through the process, make sure, um, you set up like good deadlines for them. Like deadlines aren't just for you. There are deadlines also for your client. Mm -hmm. And this is something you're going to work on together. Um, they're not just hiring you to do a job and like do everything. They're hiring you as an expert to help them create this website. Um, Definitely, yeah. So I found that having like that constant communication was really hard when it's not some someone you can like just go to their desk and ask them or you see them over lunch every day. Um, yeah, you have to treat yourself as a business like, and take yourself very seriously, even though that if you don't actually feel that way, you have to treat yourself that way. Uh, so other people can treat yourself that way as well. Mm -hmm. uh, if you don't take yourself seriously, none of your clients will. Yeah. So, yeah, we kind of, um, I kind of touched this topic when we were talking about our, like our history, like what we've been through. Yeah. Um, but yeah, definitely. Like, I feel that this independent and freelance, uh, as opposed to agency and product company, like working for someone else, there is definitely an extra layer of stress and responsibility to, you know, make enough money to be able to pay the rent. Right. Yeah. Like this is a real, and especially if you are struggling in the beginning or whatever, if you are struggling, uh, that can be like overwhelming. Like you can't think of anything else. Like how can I make money? Because I need money. You do need money. Um, that is definitely something like v it can be very stressful um, as opposed to, you know, you work for a company, you work for someone else. And, you know, when you paycheck, you can, you can kind of count on a paycheck at the end of the month or whatever you get paid. Yeah, one um, thing we didn't talk about is um, the combo between freelance and ind independent can be really interesting. Mm -hmm. um, so meaning that you want to, you have this idea for an app, let's say, uh, and you really think it's going to do really well. Um, so you quit your job and get to work on that. Uh, but the problem with this is the app's probably going to take forever to design and like develop and that sort of stuff. It always takes longer than we think. Um, so what you can do instead of like, waiting that huge amount of time where you might not have enough money to like just continue living your life the way you do um, mm -hmm. is to take a couple clients here and there uh, and work on your project in the meantime. Um, so it'll take you longer to to finish your um, your app or something like that, like the the product that you're making, but at least you'll have a little bit more uh, steady cash flow where you'll you're gonna be able to take the money you're making from the client work that you're taking and using that to finance the thing you're really passionate about, um, which is the product you're making for yourself. Yeah, that, yeah, that's definitely an option, and uh, I think most people that start you know going the independent route um if they don't already have a couple of projects that you know are their main gig 
I see. Yeah, that's definitely like the most obvious uh, approach, and it's it's cool. Uh, like you still have all the the cons of it, um, but you can touch. You can do more stuff. You can do more projects uh, than just being independent. Mm-hmm. And of course, I said that this. You know, being working for yourself, you can have, you can struggle with this finance problems. But there's also the the flip side, which is. You can also make a lot of dough, like more money than if you were to work at an agency, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, oh, definitely. You are in control of what the the money you're making. Like, if you are hired by someone else, you'll get your, you know, your your um, compensation, whatever you agree upon, uh, upon, and that's what you can expect. But it's kind of hard, uh, you know, to get a raise or something. It's not out of the like out of the table. But it's not like you're gonna get hired in three months uh, later. You get a high, you get a raise, right? It's not that something that will change over time. Um, but if you're in charge of your own stuff, your own work, you can make, you can build a service or an app, and from one day to the other, start making a lot of money. You can take some freelance, and you know you're doing great work, and you can like start charging double what you were charging the month before right so there's a lot of fluctuation which is a good and a bad thing of being in control of your own of your own work right yeah so that's kind of like do you want to take a risk of you know not making enough money uh in march and being super rich in april (laughs) uh (laughs) you have to be really careful not to be like hey look at all this money let me buy a ferrari or something and then next month you're like oh my god i I get i don't have any products you always have that fear of do i have enough work next month like to pay bills (laughs) so yeah you should be very Again, it's a layer of stress and responsibility. You have to be a responsible person to may, maybe start some saving accounts and uh, you know protect yourself from the future, whatever that may be. Yeah. So, yeah. So let's say you you can't take the the pressure and the this all the stress that comes with either being independent or being freelance. So you join an agency. I don't know. Like and the upside of being in an agency is yeah, no no stress that comes out of you have to put like get money to put fo- food on the table yourself. In an agency, products or uh projects are going to come directly to you. Um another upside is you're now part of a team. It's not only like you're not just a one person team. You're working with a bunch of hopefully amazing people. Um, that can teach you stuff and uh, help you out and um, that can like push you to do better work. Yeah, I feel the difference between freelance and working for an agency. Yes, if you, you lose all of that stress of getting work, signing clients, mm-hmm. um, paying bills, right? Uh, I mean, you still have to pay the bills, but... <laughs> Uh, you get a steady income, so that's that's going to be fine. So you get all you get rid of all that stress, but then you also give up some control over what you do. Yeah. So you are definitely not going to be the one saying, "Nope, I don't want to, I don't want to design this app for cows." <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. Uh, like you, you lose all of that control over what you do, 
And yes, you get the upside of having your team, having some coworkers. Well, hopefully it's not, that's not always true. Like maybe I, I was the only designer in an agency. Um, right. Even though I had. You're still working with you know, other people. Coworkers. Yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah, it's, it's, I guess it's like a more normal life. Like, yeah. you know, you, you, you get up, you go to, to the office, you, you spend all day with your coworkers, you probably go have lunch together and, you know, it's a more normal and, you know what, more healthy, <laughs> um, like a more healthy day, I, I think, like for your sanity. Um, but yeah, you lose all of that control. Like you are doing what you are asked to. And that, that that's not necessarily bad. Like you can work at an amazing agency in that, you, you know, hopefully your values and ideas kind of align with um, either the CEO or whatever who's in charge, right? Um, and you can have, like, amazing work, amazing clients. And that's, I think, the perfect agency because if you are in that situation, you are doing work that you are really passionate about, like you really like what you're doing, you like your clients, you, you will probably be able to work with, you know, bigger companies than maybe if you're a freelance. I mean, that, there's always exception, exceptions to the rules. but you know, you will probably have the means to work with bigger clients. Uh, maybe work for Coca-Cola, maybe work for uh, McDonald's or whatever, like these big companies, which can be a good thing or a bad thing. Like that's not for everyone. I, I know that. Yeah. Um, and usually ag agencies charge a lot of money because they're selling an, ex like an expertise in a certain area. Um, so what I found is that if you're someone like me who enjoys doing many things, wearing many hats, like exploring different ideas. Agencies are really are often harder for you to do that because they mm -hmm. they really want experts and what I see most of the time is like especially when I'm looking at portfolios and stuff like that is there's going to be 10 designers that are <laughs> going to be working on a single project and Every one of them have like their like very narrow spe specialty, um, mm -hmm. but it can be harder to explore and do prototyping and do identity work and do different things um, within that company. So you're going to get variations in terms of what clients you're working for, um, but not necessarily as much uh, in terms of what you're actually doing. And that can be interesting to some people, like people don't want to care about business, don't want, like, I just want to become the very best at this one thing, that mm -hmm. agency is great for them. Um, I'm just not one of these people. Yeah. Um, actually, the, the, the last agency, and we, again, we talked about this on episode 10. Um, I was fortunate enough to, the agency that I worked on, we as designers, even though we were, you know, a medium-sized team of designers, we usually worked, like, one maximum two designers per project so you would actually be you know in charge of the whole process like mm -hmm. starting from the basic idea exploration to prototyping in the end right so i don't think that's a norm like of how agencies operate um what you said actually makes more sense like you specialize in one particular area i think it also depends uh, on the size like in, in montreal we have a lot of huge agencies yeah, yeah, I do yeah. work for like the Coca-Colas and that sort of stuff. And mm -hmm. that's most of the people I see. How does Coca-Cola work with every agency in the world? 
They just have a lot of have a lot of shit to do. Yeah, it's amazing. Like I've seen so many companies that had Coca Cola as their client. Like yeah, I I also think that they they're doing different marketing campaigns for different uh, segment and different countries and that, that sort sense. of stuff. So that's why like they probably have to hire a lot of companies from a lot of different fields and a lot of different places in the world. That makes sense. Yeah. Alright, just a side note. But yeah, I, I do agree it's weird. Another thing that I, f- I find, find weird sometimes is when you see, um, for usually an agency or something like that, uh, in their portfolio, they're like, we do work for Apple. I was like, huh? <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, actually, it, is that, and even on, not, not just agencies, but like services, we have a service. Uh, like I have a product and like used by designers in Apple, Google, Twitter, all of that. How I always wondered, like, what's their criteria? Like you have a user with a Apple.com email and you know, oh, you know what? This guy used it. I can put the Apple over here. Yes. Is that how it works? <laughs> yes. Because I can put Apple, like Sketchcast has Apple and <laughs> Twitter and Spotify and Facebook. I can put all I, those yeah. logos. Well, do I, I, do I need permission? I don't think, or something? Yeah, I, I don't think that's necessarily the <laughs> best way to do it, but I can tell you, there's definitely so many companies that just do that. Um, yeah, and, I could do that, but it would I would feel dirty. Yeah, well, for us, like some sometimes we have to ask them to take down our logo uh, from their website. Oh, really? Yeah, because it's like, yeah, I guess someone signed up to like test out the the like product you released like five years ago. But no one uses it, and like we don't want to be affiliated with you right, in any right, way. Right. Um, so people definitely do that. Um, I don't think it's particularly a good thing to do, but I mean, it would probably give you like give a bunch of people more incentive to try your thing if they're like, oh, people at Facebook are also using it. So uh, mm-hmm. I don't know. It, it's a trade off yeah, you have that. to decide. I just went for the quotes. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. There's uh, one uh, one quote in there that I really like. <laughs> Which one? Mine. No, just kidding. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyways. Okay, we should sum up as well because we are summing up everything. Um, so agency work, I would sum it up as you have a more easy, less stressful. More normal life. Uh, more normal life because you wouldn't have to worry about like you have a boss you have clients you have stakeholders that's the yeah. classic like design like career path mm-hmm. and you do work on a lot of different projects which is a good and bad thing um but you kind of give up some control over what you actually do mm. and by some i mean all <laughs> well i guess you could decide if you use sketch or photoshop and stuff like that but usually you're not going to pick and choose your 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 projects yeah. is that a fair sum yeah that's a great summary all right so last one is a product company and this one i never like i don't have experience with it mm. i'm very curious about it actually like i think if i were to change my the type of work i would do i'll probably like the next one it will be probably probably product company right just because it's the one missing <laughs> <laughs> i have all the little you gotta have complete, all the badges yeah 
Yeah. Well, that's that's also a good strategy. Like, if you don't know what you like best, just try them all. You'll, yeah, you'll see yeah. What, and what it's uh, it's definitely not unusual for a designer to work six months at a company and then work for a year at the other one and work for four months at. Well, <laughs> it's yeah. Like, that's another topic. That's a whole new topic. Yeah. But um, yeah. So yeah, go. All right. Tell me all about product company. So product is like at the extreme end um, of of that spectrum. Product means you're going to be working at this at this company mm, that has a product or multiple products. Um, let's say you're working at Facebook, for example. Um, what that means is um, you'll go there and you'll work on this specific team uh, with a large number of people, usually, um, and you'll work on making that product better. For me, in my case, I work at Shopify uh, and... I worked for um, like a little over a year on the checkout team mainly. Um, so we basically redesigned the whole checkout process. Uh, what that means is since you're working at this one company, there <laughs> there is like usually one product, right? So you're always in a way working on that same product and making that product better. So um, there's, there's a lot less variety, right? In the kind of work that you do. Um, it's mm-hmm. always going to be for that one client, <laughs> which is the company. Uh, but right. one thing that's that I really like about uh, product design, uh, product companies, um, is that although you do have a client, you're in a way your own client, um, and that that definitely depends on which company you're talking about. Um, but at Shopify. Um, the teams make their own decisions, even though our goal is to make Shopify the best platform as possible. And I don't, I'm not the owner of Shopify. Um, I still get to make the best decisions for the product that I'm working on. So um, if we're looking at checkouts, I'll be looking at the forums, looking at people's tweets, uh, looking at the, the support logs, all that sort of stuff to try to figure out, okay, how can we improve checkout and make it better? Uh, and we constantly are running experiments and bouncing ideas off of each other. Um, but what's great is that instead of having this one client or this one person that comes to us and is like, you need to do X. I'm not done till this one person isn't happy with what I'm doing. This is more of a team effort. We all come up with our own ideas, uh, we debate it in a group, uh, and then as a group, we decide, does this make sense? Yes or no? And is this uh, something that's high priority or is that something that's low priority? Uh, and then we decide what to work on based on that. Don't you ever go like, I'm sick and tired of green and Brandon grotesque? <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> that- Damn you, green. <laughs> That can happen, uh, um, but I think you also need to be like you. You always have to keep in mind that the the act of like branding a company and defining mm. a, an identity uh, is something that's hugely important. Do you remember when Spotify changed their green? Yep, <laughs> and just changed the hue. It's it was still green. Everyone lose their minds over it. 
Um, so yeah, do we? Oh, by the way, which which uh, leads me to I have to I have to ask you this. Uh, it's completely off topic. How many times do people think that you work at Spotify? <laughs> Is that a thing? <laughs> All the fucking time. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I figured. Um, You're both green. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Harley, our COO, um, like, I don't remember what it was. Like he he called uh, like somewhere to make a reservation. It's like a fancy place. I was like, oh, making a reservation for Shopify, blah blah. And <laughs> the dude is like, oh my god, I love Spotify. <laughs> like it's so awesome. I I listen to music on there all the time. It's the best app on my phone. Blah blah blah. He's like, do I say anything or not? <laughs> Nah, and he ended up just... not saying anything. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, it's awesome, cool. I'm glad you like it. Um, <laughs> but that definitely happen, oh, happens all the time. We had um, the delivery company that when we moved offices, um, they on the boxes um, where they write like the name of the company. They mm-hmm. they did kind of a hybrid. <laughs> they wrote Popify. <laughs> um so yeah that's a new platform where you can sell online your music exactly um not that uh selling music isn't dead or anything but yeah that's no, a, that's well, a I topic I know what you mean. um okay so uh back to topic there's one thing that i actually forgot to mention um when talking about uh, agency work which is not only you work on a lot of stuff, you usually have a very tight deadline to work on something. Mm-hmm. And that something usually is design the product or design the whole website. So that can be cool for some people. I personally hated it because I was like, there's this brief of this new product we want to build. And I was like, okay, I have two weeks. And that's, you know, you you can do it. You will do it and you do it. But it's like, if I could spend like one week on this particular problem, like you said, you you worked on the checkout, which is, you know, it's one part of the whole the whole product, the whole experience. Yep. And you can, like working at agency work, you really can't afford to, I want to spend two days animating this little button, <laughs> like those little details. You can't freaking afford to do that. Yeah. Which can be very frustrating for a lot of people. I mean, I think designers as a whole, if I have to generalize the thing, I think designers like to spend time with details, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And when you're a client or even when you're running a business and you have to pay for stuff, if they're not designers, which usually they're not, it's very, very hard to justify spending a lot of money because all those hours are billable, a lot of money on the details. Like they just want to, Big picture. Yeah. So that's uh, that's definitely a difference between agency work and product company. On a product company, you will probably spend you know, definitely more than two weeks or a week on a particular problem. Oh, d- and, definitely, yes. <laughs> yeah. That can be awesome because you are designing and you like to sweat the details. But I still have to give it to the people like the other side of the coin, which that can be tiresome. Like. You know, you will be working for months on this one page or this one feature or whatever. 
there's always two sides of a coin. Yeah. And totally. it's a good thing and it can definitely be a, a bad thing. Like it can be tiresome, it can be boring, you can you can you can, you know, burn out like burn out and just like be um, tired of it. Yeah, I do think you have a better uh chance of having more of a li uh life work balance working at a product company. Um because a lot of our deadlines are mostly self-imposed. Um mm -hmm. so we can make trade-offs in order to make like people ha like be able to have a life outside of work and not overwork themselves because there's this like ship date that we absolutely need to hit. Uh, otherwise, the client's going to be pissed. We we do end up spending probably more time uh, than you would in an agency. But to me, it's, it's that sense of ownership over the things that you do. Like, I make this. And if someone has a problem with checkout, like I know that I can fix that and I can make their their life better. In a product company, I feel like What's good is that there's space for all kinds of people. Um, you can be someone that really wants to dig deep into uh, one specific area, and that's fine. Because um, by having a large team of people, we can afford to have these experts in that one field. But we also need people that are more generalists and that want to like try to like learn a bunch of different stuff. Um, and that's great. And we all work together and we uh, are able to choose the projects that we're going to work on depending on what we like doing the most. And one thing I was worried when I uh, joined Shopify, like a product company, um, was that I was scared that I would do the same, th the same things all the time. But that ended up not being true at all. Um, we're such a large-ish company um, that there's a lot of different parts of it. Like there is Shopify.com, there's our print marketing, there's um, our, we have this thing called Retail Tour, um, which is kind of a like series of workshop where like a bunch of um, gurus are going to go to uh, a city and set up this physical space um, and they're going to teach people how to use the product. So you can design an actual space um there's um our ios uh and android apps there's the uh, admin which is huge and has lots of sections and lots of parts to it there's checkout there's a storefront uh the theme that your store is using they're all like very different from each other but they're still within one large company that can vary from company to company right but Yeah, I know what you mean. Usually, it's not just like one thing. If you say you're a designer for Facebook, goddamn, there's a lot of different teams <laughs> exactly. and a lot of different stuff. Um, so yeah, you you really have to think about it. Like it's it's not that common a company that has a product is just one really thing, very simple thing. Even if it's you know an iOS game or whatever, an iOS app. You probably have uh, the marketing website. You probably have all the branding stuff to do. And you have the app itself uh, with a lot of different updates and coming, you know, coming releases and stuff. So, yeah, the thing that you will do the same thing for a year, that's very unlikely. Yeah. All right. So, uh, is that it? Yeah, that, that's pretty much it. I mean, it's a bit hard for me to argue the uh, negative side of product because 
I like personally really enjoy it, and that's definitely my my favorite one. Okay, I have some actually. I just thought of a. I just thought of this. Um, I feel that in a product company, there's like there's less recognition for an individual. Mm. Like, who was the designer, or who are the designers that designed the phone app on on iOS? I have no freaking clue. Who are the designers that, you know, that design, whatever, Shopify's branding? I have no idea. Yeah. Right? But, so, it's usually, like, with agency in the product companies, like, usually large companies, and there are teams working on it, there's definitely less of a sense of recognition for your work. Mm. Like, usually won't have your name printed in the about page. <laughs> um so that's something I think I think is something worth mentioning that you know uh I guess out of the four different um types of roles that we talked about I think being independent is the most you know self-recognition awareness thing Definitely yeah <laughs> cuz that's yeah, yeah your name at the bottom of everything um so that's yeah another another point to balance things Yeah uh, if that's the thing that you care about I mean I th- I think that's definitely true but um it also really depends on the kind of company you're working at um so somewhere like apple it's going to be very difficult to get any recognition about any of the work that you do yeah um but um these days i mean part of releasing a new product is also writing about it and explaining the design decisions like we talked about um the facebook reactions um that had like this list of like thank you to all the people that that um, worked on this and had like all the people that worked on this feature um so i think in that case it's it's really up to you if you want to be uh public about like what you the work that you've done and be out there then i think you can still get that recognition but that's definitely a trend more companies yeah. are opening it up and talking about their processes and stuff but it's still up to the company like yeah definitely you as an individual you are really not allowed to post something online about you know the work the process if your company like doesn't give you permission that's something that it's still out of your control but the trend is more and more companies are opening it up and that's what that was an important thing when i when i joined shopify was that they were okay with me being public about the projects I release and being able to talk about the the work that I do, because um, I I don't know I I wouldn't like never being able to say like I I designed this thing and be able to show it to people and talk about it mm-hmm. and that sort of stuff. So obviously like I can talk I can't talk about the things that aren't released yet. But once that's released, mm-hmm. um, then I can I can like right. say anything right. that I want about it. Okay, um, there's one last little thing that we would like to mention, and that's the, the article that I posted in show notes uh, from Sarah Parmander. Mm-hmm. I think that's how you pronounce her name. Yeah. Um, the article is titled The Elephant in the Room, and it's a very interesting uh, point and relevant to our discussion today. To sum it up, do you want to try or do you want me to try? Oh, you're the, the expert summarizer. <laughs> Not really. I just read this. So to sum up is 
Um, Sarah Parmeter is a designer. She was famously like a freelancer for a while and one of my like biggest reference in the freelancing design work. Um, so she has been a freelance for a couple of years um, and she she mentions that she's seeing this shift um, that basically the, the gist of it is that it's, very, it's harder to find work as a freelance designer nowadays than a couple of years ago. Um, and the, the reason that she tries to give um, is that more and more companies are like realizing that design is a very important part of their product. Like it's not just an afterthought. It's like something that has to be there from the beginning and giving proper attention. So since companies are starting to realize this, they are really investing more in the in-house talents and they are really having a design um, department inside their companies and their their products. So it's shifting from just outsourcing some design material or design work for, to a freelance, uh, then people are, are now doing it more in-house. That's basically the gist of it. And it's something that she says that she realized this. A lot of people are seeing this. Um, it's harder to be a freelancer nowadays. Uh, but no one is talking about it, which is mm -hmm. weird. And I thought it, it kind of opened my eyes. Like I've, I felt this, but I never really even thought about the reason. And this is a very good, plausible reason. Right. Um, like I felt this before, but I was trying to justify it by like, well, maybe I am not really into this world. I'm not really, um, you know, it, it's basically my problem. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm not doing enough. I don't know enough and stuff like that. So this is a very cool article. It's a, uh, it's fairly short. Uh, <laughs> um, it's from Sarah Parmeter. If you don't know her, she's awesome. And uh, we're going to link it in the show notes. So if you are uh, either a freelance or are thinking of becoming one or something, <laughs> give it a read. It's pretty, pretty interesting. Okay. So I wanted to talk about uh, one point. Uh, in the article, I do wonder if there, it's not necessarily that, like, yes, obviously people um, are realizing that design is important and they need to have it in-house. And as technology just becomes part of any company, think of Uber, think of Airbnb, like these companies, it's not a taxi company anymore. It's not a, um, a hotel company anymore. They're all tech companies, um, and tech tech companies need design. Um, it's the pretty pretty much the, one of the most important things um, to make these products successful is having them be uh, easy to understand and easy to use. But I also think that in a way, the kind of work that we're doing more and more is the product design type of, of role where. We're figuring out the needs of the user. We're figuring out how um, what the problem is, and get we need to have that expertise before actually designing something. It's not like um, we're simply designing a website that is gonna have to rep represent a brand. It's gonna be this more thoughtful thoughtful process, uh, and it's gonna be an app that gonna, needs to be updated and is gonna is gonna need to. Um, evolve with a company uh, and I think in a way that 
type of work is really more well suited for someone that is going to be full time versus freelance. Um, so like if you think about it, um, let's say Uber's app, let's say they, they hired a freelancer to design it. Um, and now they're adding Uber Eats to the app. So they need to like go mm-hmm. back and like find this designer again and have have this designer like reopen up like a new project. Um, but that designer doesn't really have all the context of everything that's going on at Uber. So I don't know. I feel like the work, the kind of work that we want to do lends itself better to product companies versus being the freelance designers. What do you think? Yeah, I, I, I think that's right. Um, I agree with you. And, and, yeah, this does not only apply to freelance, uh, but uh, agency work as well. Like startups are like, again, I, I don't want to repeat myself. They are giving more weight to design and they, you know, either you outsource everything uh, and that's good for, you know, MVP or something to, to, to start your startup. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but if you, if you want to keep this like a product down the line, like to, to last, you definitely need some in-house talent because otherwise you will spend more money and um it's not a cohesive piece of work if you you know if you hire different agencies different companies to to help build your products it's not going to be in my opinion as good as a work as it it would be just like one single entity and even for uh, agencies um the the last two agencies that i would say that like they, they they've they've worked on a major piece of like a major product or something the last two agencies that i can think of is one of it was Tehan and lax yep. which among a lot of things uh, i think the last major uh, work that they've done was uh, medium they design medium um and that agency is gone it was bought by facebook and the other one that i can think of is meta labs um which they recently they they designed Slack, mm-hmm. basically that was it, and they're they're still they're still around they're still doing awesome job yeah. uh, awesome work actually, but um yeah it's it, I don't know I don't know if I can uh, if there's data to back this up but I have the sense that it's uh it's declining the viability of of mm. an agency in a way yeah um yeah but uh, this is just my the way I feel, I really don't have the data to back this up. Maybe it's the other way around, actually. <laughs> yeah, I, I also do feel like we can have more of an impact if we're um, in-house versus being as part of an agency. I feel like having like a design director in your company and having like a whole part of your company is that is designers is that's harder to like ignore the things that they say that than when they're this separate entity that you're just hiring for a job right and they become mm-hmm. part of the decision making process of hey should, should we build this at all and does this make sense and they're involved from the very beginning as opposed to being involved at the end where like the, the company has figured out exactly what they want and now they're just hiring someone to execute on what they think they want when it might not always be the right thing to do and that's definitely a, a big part of, of freelancing and being in an agency. Um, but I think it's easier when you're part of the company itself. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that the, it's not like they shouldn't be around. There's no <laughs> room for it. I think, 
I think all of these different um, job tiles or whatever, um, all of these are important and really like mm-hmm. it needs to exist for the other ones to exist. Is that, does that make sense? Um, yeah, they they all have like a place and yeah, 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 yeah. So I think agencies are are they do have their place, um, but I think that uh, it's just uh, harder um, nowadays. It's harder to start an agency than it was maybe. 10 years or you know even five years ago in the, in the web mm-hmm. in this in this technology related like in this industry um but i mentioned meta labs like they i think for you to succeed long term as an agency you have to have the guts like to make the hard calls like you can't just take every single project that comes your way yeah because then the work you do is what you are so being in an agency and not as a designer, but you know, being the CEO or whatever who makes the, the calls, um, it's hard to, to succeed. You have to make really tough decisions, really tough calls that you know are risks in a way. Mm-hmm. I, I don't I don't know what I want to go with this, but uh yeah, I'm just saying that there's room for everyone. Um we uh together been through all the all the different uh spectrums of this. And um, yeah, there you go. I don't know where I'm going with this. <laughs> so um, hopefully Santi got something out of this. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I don't know if we uh, really helped you make a decision there, uh, but at least we've talked about uh, some of the pros and cons of all the different possibilities. Um, and then it's going to be up to you to figure out what works best for you, um, if you want. And for everyone else. Uh not just Santi, <laughs> uh, even though he was the one who reached out to us. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Oh, he just tweeted us right, like right now. Oh, really? Yeah. Insane. Uh, so Santi said, <laughs> "Very happy to know the topic of this week's podcast." <laughs> How does he know? I don't know. Is he listening live? Is he listening? <laughs> what? I don't What's know. What's going on? I don't know. This is weird. Santi, are you reading my mind right now? <laughs> anyway. Um, maybe he works at an NSA. You, maybe, maybe. Uh, so, um, if uh, any of you would like to be awesome as Santi, and let us know what kind of topics you would like us to talk about. Because um, we love to, to, to know, to have some feedback. And you know what? This turned out to be a cool discussion. I actually learned quite something. Today. Yeah, me too. So, um, yeah, get in touch. Uh, let us know what you would like to hear. And um, if you want to help us uh, spread the word and, and get new listeners, more people can be able to enjoy this show, uh, make sure to upvote us on Product Hunt and Designer News. You're going to have links in the show notes. So if, you, if you'll do that, thanks so much. Um, if you want to be extra awesome, you can also... Leave us a review and rating on iTunes. No one has taken me up on the offer um, to print the first iTunes review that we get and frame it. Right. What's up with that, guys it, and girls? Yeah, you can still, still do it. Have a, have a place in, uh, in my home. All right. And you can also follow uh, us on Twitter. We are at LayoutFM. And in the bio, we do have links to our own personal Kevin and I uh, Twitter accounts. So if you'd like to follow us there. Uh, give us a follow and get in touch via either Twitter or you can go to layout.fm to find the show notes if your podcast app sucks and you can find the show notes there. 
Um, they have all the links over there, and there's a little feedback button that you can click on and and give us some uh, feedback. Let us know what you think. No review. <laughs> wah, wah.